Good morning, Anna. How are you? Hello, Will. How are you? I'm well. Well, thank you. Very well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today to share your experience of being diagnosed with a brain tumour and indeed healing a brain tumour. Okay. I was going to say a a subject of particular interest to me. (laughs) (laughs) To many people, it seems. Indeed. Well, perhaps you can start with sharing the diagnosis, what uh, what you were diagnosed with, I believe it was back in, in 2002? Yes, I've been having headaches, very crippling headaches, occasionally, unpredictably for some time, and I also had uh, double vision, um, but I didn't think there was anything else particularly wrong, but because of the uh, headache, I'd had a brain scan, uh, an MRI scan, and um, I went into the hospital and they said, <laughs> unfortunately, they said, you've got a brain tumor and it's going to have to come out. So it was actually the description of the operation that terrified me more than anything else. This was not a surgeon. It was, um, it was a neurologist. And he said they were either going to take the top of my head off or they were going to cut up the side of my nose and go in that way. And they would just get in touch. So that was it. So that I was left with that information for a few months. I imagine that the uh, the diagnosis would be shocking enough, but also the, the 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 prognosis, how they were intending to deal with it, with that form of surgery, would have been equally uh, disturbing. The fear is the thing when you have a a, a fatal, uh, potentially fatal diagnosis. Your body, at a very deep level, reacts with fear. So. Um, I I don't know whether I ever accepted that uh, this this could be fatal, but I was still dealing with fear at a very deep level, which is to say that it was all emerging in my dreams, uh, which were so I would wake up from nightmares really nearly every night, although I could cope with it quite rationally on the surface. Um, I thought that. Uh, at that stage I didn't understand healing I didn't believe in healing and I thought that this was a problem that um, the the doctors would solve and because I was in such a state of fear it was like giving up on my own autonomy it was up to them and honestly I was extremely lucky with the prognosis in one way in that when I came to actually see a surgeon Although I didn't take to the man as an individual, um, he said that it was inoperable. He couldn't reach it. So that gave me the time to uh, come to terms with it. But even so, I don't think I came to terms with it myself. I was assisted by the chaos that surrounded it as far as the hospital was concerned so I I, looking back on the whole experience I just feel that I was blessedly lucky the whole way sometimes people have a fatal diagnosis and the thing moves really fast and it's very very difficult for them to uh, move from the kind of state of mind that I was in whereas I 
simply didn't understand or accept a, a metaphysical possibility as a reality, if I'm not being confusing here. Um, You're speaking of death, I believe. <laughs> no, I wasn't speaking of death, but I, I, I do actually think, I, I mean, I think that is another metaphysical possibility that we do not, as individuals, accept as a reality. It's the, I think Damien Hirst, you know, the artist, talked about sure. the impossibility of death in the mind of someone living, which I think is pretty, is a, is, is a beautiful way of expressing that refusal to consider how it could be because we're human you know our bodies are not designed to consider our dissolution so I'm interested you speak of the giving the doctor or the doctors the responsibility as it were allowing them to sort it out and that uh, speaks to me certainly that this was the the easy option um, and Interesting to note that you reflect there was a positive experience in some ways, being lucky in some ways that your, your hand was forced with it being inoperable. I wonder at what point did you notice a shift in which you began to take greater responsibility or, or, or full responsibility for your illness and, and for your health as well. Was that, a, was that a moment or was that a gradual process? Or? It was a very good question, that. It's a gradual process and I thought about it a lot. Um, I, for the first, I think that it was when the fear began to wear off. From the first moment, I was, um, I was, speaking to myself when I when I met a doctor I didn't like I would say well it may be a job to you to myself over and over again it may be just a job to you but it's my head and I've only got one of them you know um and it was it was almost like if you like the the fear began to subside after about six months to a year and when the fear subsided or the shock, I began to hear what I was saying to myself more. But, as well as that, the hospital for which I bless its cotton socks <laughs> made such a chaotic farce of uh, things that I had thought were terribly important. So, for example, they lost my scans three times. So, you know, I would go up thinking, this is really important to see what has happened since the last scan that I had. And here I'm going to get the information. And they, they lost them. They, they couldn't tell me anything because they didn't have the scans. So there was, the, 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 I did everything I could to get the medical profession to be organized for me including sending, when I finally got hold of copies of my scans, I sent them around the world to different experts around the world. Um, and I found that everything I did resulted in um, confusion. So, you know, all these different experts said things that cancelled each other out. The a consultant who I was going to see who was, Apparently, the, the world expert on pituitary tumors said he didn't know what it was. 
um, he said there's, you know, 1% of pituitary tumors that could be 150 different things, and yours is one of those. So all of his group of experts didn't know what, what it was. And they kept on losing my scans. So, you know, I think I needed to be that lucky to get it through to me that this was not the way to go. Um, it took an awful lot of knocking on my door for me to, to realize that the solution was in me. But I was also meditating and plowing through all this emotional stuff that had come up with the shock of this diagnosis. And that was extremely valuable also because um, I was, even before I uh, really explored healing, I was discovering that I could change the relationship that I had with people in the present by taking out of me my memories of how it had been in the past. It was a kind of um, uh, dirty laundry, psychic washing cycle. And uh, I had to do it because I was... Um, uh, you know, I, I was in turmoil. I was in deep emotional turmoil, as people are when they have a, um, a shock like that. Um, and I found that I'm a, somebody who does things by experiment. You know, I'm perfectly open-minded, but I wouldn't... I have plenty of prejudices. I have fewer now than I used to have, but I used to have a lot. <laughs> um, and I... I, I, but I would still always try something out to see whether it worked. So I tried out, for example, old memories, just bringing them to mind and letting them go. And I discovered that that had a real effect on my close relationships. So I thought, okay, this works. Did you sense, I wonder, at the time, the emotional turmoil that you speak of? No doubt that was something you wanted to resolve and get through quite naturally. Did you also sense this was part of the healing at this stage? Was there any connection there, you felt? I don't know that, no. I had an idea, but I, I, I was beginning to have an idea. I was beginning to read things like um, The Journey, Brandon Bay, somebody gave it to me, and... Uh, I, that was my first notion of, of, of um, psychophysical connection, really, in terms of, of, of um, medicine or whatever. It was more, um, for example, the relationship with my mother was very, very, very difficult and had been for years. And it was more that I realized I was spending more time being angry with, with her than I was doing anything useful for her that made me think, okay, I've got to sort this out. Sure. I didn't realize it had a connection until um, I came across body mirror healing. So body mirror healing, this is Martin Brothman's technique of healing that I've also worked with. And can you share how you came across healing and how you started to work with healing? Because initially you said that you didn't believe in healing. It wasn't something that even was on the radar by the sounds of it. Absolutely right. I, um, well, initially what happened was that um, my 
everybody offers. You know, when you're ill, people come in with all kinds of treatments and possibilities. And um, uh, one of those came from my half-sister. And she was taking me to meetings where Martin Bruffman was speaking. Uh, she was sending me tapes of... Um, of, of talks that he'd already given and I was listening to these very cautiously and carefully and I was interested but I didn't somehow think yes this is for me I must go down this road I had uh, also with her I had some healings from different different uh, traditions um, the spiritualist healing association and things like that and I noticed that each one had an effect and I've also got a, a, a strong family background in Tibetan Buddhism. Both my mother and my, uh, my brother are, have been Tibetan Buddhists for, you know, 30 plus years. So I knew a lot of Tibetan lamas and I had healing from that tradition also. And all of this was, was powerful. I could see that it was powerful and I could feel that it didn't, actually make me feel better <laughs> or, or yes it did but at a very deep level so what was it that caused you to know what what evidence was there in your experience that let you know there was power there that there was something happening there in these healings um i often in in some of the uh early healings i felt uh enormously um you know, I would sit down there thinking I was fine and then I would just burst into tears. I could feel wells of dark stuff coming up through me. And so that's, I think, why I didn't feel better. Because <laughs> a lot of really dark stuff was coming up, a lot of misery that I had kept quite, um, you know, quite contained and, and didn't really affect me, I thought, on my day-to-day -day basis. So it's almost sure. like, you know, when the, when the deep water from the sea comes up, it's cold and it's dark and it's murky and it's, it's very difficult to deal with and it's powerful, it's very difficult to deal with. Um, Since there was release of, of, of some sort occurring, things coming into awareness and uh, by this point were you beginning to sense that this was uh, uh, part of a healing journey or were you, were you still uh, dipping your toe in the water at this stage? I was still dipping my toe in the water and I began to wonder if healing could be harmful because sure. um, it was uh, you know it was not comfortable and I didn't understand still the association the clear clear association between my body and my mind and um, when, for example, I had the uh, healing, uh, I had an initiation with a, um, uh, the medicine Buddha from a Tibetan medicine lama. And when I did meditation after that, the light inside was so enormously bright that I, after I opened my eyes, I was surprised to find it was still dark, you know. So I could mm. feel this internal power and actually optimism I had a knowledge that I was going to get better but I still hadn't got a clue how <laughs> that's so a wonderful wonderful parallel with my own experience uh, that right? a, a sense of knowing that this is to be resolved in some way and that the how will 
arrive in whatever way uh, it does. And for you, the, the body mirror system, you, you started to, uh, to from, from those talks and from that initial interest, you started to do healing intensives and, and, and learn how the body mirror system works? Well, the first thing I did, I just sat up in bed one morning and I said to my husband, I'm going to go and have a, a, a healing with, with Martin. And yes. um, I booked a personal appointment with him. And um, uh, that healing was very precise because the characteristic of, of the body bearer system that he's developed is that he reflects back to you what he sees in your energy and <clears throat> what that says about your um, the emotional baggage that you've been carrying around. And um, I was really surprised to find him picking out things that really hadn't been um, an issue for me since babyhood, I thought. And uh, it was afterwards I could feel the, the intensity of the energy that, that had gone through me and I knew that something profound had happened but it was afterwards it was in the weeks afterwards that I began to see how how everything I did in the present reflected this past reality that I thought was so ancient that I'd been carrying around so if you like, it crystallized everything I had been doing and it was like somebody turning on the lights for me. It was absolutely extraordinary um, and I got it straight away that I was a, um, you know, like anybody else, a part of the divinity who over the circumstances of my life, I gradually uh, blocked off certain avenues for feeling my own um, love and power. And this is within not just the body mirror system, but uh, many energetic maps, a key correlate or association with anything going on with the brain, this disconnection from the divine or from love or from the, how, however we might conceive it, we can get lost with the words here. It's um, interesting. I know, that's true. I have a, I, okay. Are we now leaping on sort of a long time, but <laughs> you can lose this if you like. But I have a theory that uh, the, your brain is the higher intelligence in a way that is made material. So when sure. the problem with it, um, it is it is precisely your problem about seeing your access to high higher intelligence. But you are a part of it. Sure. Something which came up for me there with your description of the healing with Martin and perhaps some of the work for or, or inquiry. For yourself to then uh, embrace is the notion of healing as a process. It can be often viewed that the, that the healer comes in with uh, magic hands or, or, or channeling consciousness, and this for me is is true. It has some partial truth, yet it seems also that there is a process here of which there is more work to continue 
following the healing. So it's quite distinct from a surgeon coming in and removing a tumour. It seems more that there is an ongoing process of which you're a conscious player within that process. Can you can you speak to that? Oh, absolutely. I think that's true. I mean, I think the thing is that um, it's like, you know, you grow up and you're conscious and our, our culture is conscious of our physical reality. That's how it is. And everything around you um, surrounds... I mean, you know, culture for 400 years has been exploring the nature of this physical reality. So, you know, that's the world that we grow into. And uh, we also have a, a metaphysical reality, which we are uh, only aware of in some flashes, like, you know, looking at a picture or a beautiful <laughs> landscape or something. And... Um, but the nature of our lives is to 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 develop actually the metaphysical reality and um when a surgeon cuts a piece of you out he does it with enormous skill but your metaphysical reality is unchanged completely altered so uh, that's why for many people you come back to the place you were at when you developed this problem this tension whatever it was this disease uh, in spite of the surgery. So yes, I would say it's a process, and uh, it it was very. It's interesting for me looking back at my diaries um, because I've been writing about this experience to see that I didn't feel better after my <laughs> healing with Martin. <laughs> I felt better on the metaphysical level because I knew I had an idea what was going on and I knew where I was going, but. On the physical level, I had appalling symptoms, I was dizzy, I was sick, I was totally depressed, and I, you know, was still having terrible headaches, I was completely cross-eyed. So, it took a long time, well, I think a long time, it took a, a, a good year and a half for my new metaphysical reality, my new internal reality, to manifest. On the physical level, it was 18 months before the scans began to show that the tumour, which I was using my mind to roll back, if you like, or to to roll away, had uh, receded, and it was like looking at an image of a of a full spinnaker sail with the wind suddenly gone out of it. It was just caving in. So, of course, that was... Tri By that time, I knew I was better already because internally I knew I was better. And then, by this time, I was beginning to heal professionally and the healing uh, is also a process. It was... I was learning all the time uh, I was using, I, I do use the body mirror system because I find it enormously powerful and accurate. Although, of course, all healing is about going to the same place. It's about discovering the metaphysical balance, uh, or rather the balance between your spiritual self and your physical self. And um, I have gradually evolved 
my healing has become more powerful, more accurate, because I am more confident in my spiritual self. And um, I had a scan at the end of uh, last year. So that would be 2010. That would be eight years after the initial diagnosis. And the scan showed that there was really nothing left. Five millimeters of tissue with no blood in it, something akin to um, a scar tissue the size of my tip of my little fingernail. So that's the physical result. And I, I'm, I'm well, you know, my eyes are straight. But I did have a little bit of surgery to, to correct the eye, my right eye. Um, because I tried to, to repair this soggy muscle that had stopped it focusing forward um, for about six months, and I, I, I didn't have any luck. So, or at least I had a little bit, but not enough. Sure. So in other ways, I've used healing on other physical ailments when they come up. You know, it works. Sure. So you were describing there that in the 18-month period from the uh, spiritual or metaphysical breakthrough, we, we, we might call it, that there was a, you were utilizing uh, what would be called visualization or, or imagery. You were imagining the tumor disappearing. Is, is, is that correct? Yes. And, and when I talk about, you know, discovering your metaphysical reality, what I'm really saying is learn how to use your imagination and how to um, create a reality in that space. And that's what our culture dissuades us from doing, and yet it is, it is the creative part of us. It, it is what creates um, bottles, cities, <laughs> homes, families. It is our creative soul. And, and it's uh, the, the drive for it. As well, sorry to jump in there, Anna. It's the the driver of uh, worth noting intellectual process. Uh, Einstein was quick to point out. He was very clear that imagination, rather than intellect, was the power which was behind his uh, intelligence and his breakthroughs and his understanding. So, even that which we consider to be very rational and logical science. Um, Einstein is one of many where that imaginatory po uh, the process of imagination is where discovery lies and uh, really as you say there's such a bias in our culture against imagination as a powerful process in itself I would say that I would say that the driver is love because you fall in love with an idea you fall in love with a person you fall in love with something with the possibility, and that creates the the rocket fuel that makes you create. So yes, I mean I agree with you that that imagination is 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 the uh, is the creative force, and the driver that makes that motivates human beings is is love, it's passion. And Can I ask, with with your healing, what was it that you loved the most? Was it that you loved life, that you loved being healthy? Was it the love for your family? What, what was really, can you see, driving your 
process, driving your inner journey? What was was or or was it simply love itself? What, what was the no object no, of that? I was I was almost a, <laughs> I was almost allergic to the word love. <laughs> <laughs> I found it intensely embarrassing to say it, but I do, I love all those things. I mean, I, I, I love my life and I love my family. I, I think what the key for me, though, was the release to be myself and to have my own ideas. And that was really what I was in love with. I think that I had never considered um when i say my own ideas these are not exactly unusual ideas but 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 that i was free to that i felt free to discover my route to my my shape of the world in my own way so there was an emergence there in yourself in your own being in your own psychology and spirituality which seems to be a key part of the process an integral part of that process well absolutely i mean you you would say if somebody has a fatal illness that at some level of their being they don't think it's worth living anymore sure so you have to look at what it is that uh, makes life not worth living for them and uh, it's very very difficult to see at the time um, and uh, certainly sorry that's my phone I hope somebody else is going to answer it no worries <laughs> it's a very jolly it sounds like a marching band um, <laughs> the children programmed it um, anyway so you have to look at what it is that um, you know that, that makes life not worth living for them, and I found that really, really difficult to see. Um, sure. I, but when I did eventually, it was to do with the fact that I I had a job I didn't want to do. It was a very good job. I didn't feel I could leave it because I was supporting my family and I was the breadwinner, and I had to unpick all those layers about why I got myself into the position of feeling that I had to be the sole support and so forth, which were those were much easier to unpick. Um, but effectively, I. I was a BBC producer. I was working for the establishment. Now, some part of me felt like I was in the army. I, <laughs> that I was that I was not able to have um, radical anti-establishment ideas, if you like, because they were not acceptable. They were not culturally acceptable. And actually, you know. If I was to try to make a program about healing on the BBC, they find it embarrassing. You know, they would, they skirt around it. They don't like it. They see it as, um, they see it as a combination of fakery and witchcraft or the dark side. We're, we're talking about a very masculine view of existence. So, and that has always traditionally been frightened of the dark feminine, the yin, the imaginative, the, you know, the, the dark side of distance. 
uh, of existence because after all the yin ultimately is death so it's a fascinating insight anna because the question many would ask when they look at the frequent occurrences of uh spontaneous remissions people who have had healings and, and and been healed far more common than would be let on in a discussion with an oncologist or with a neurosurgeon if you actually do the research one asks why is this not looked into more why are we not throwing some of the trillions of dollars towards the study of spontaneous remission towards the study of healing towards studying what type of people experience these miraculous healings and i think you touched on something there which is indicative of uh, or, or suggestive of, of of why and it's because it really challenges at a very fundamental level what our society considers to be true uh valuable acceptable and thus we we continue in the darkness with methods of engaging with serious illness that uh, are so often very largely ineffective and uh, it's uh, an interesting state of affairs and and yet worth pointing out i feel that we are seeing more understanding of an acceptance of an inquiry slowly gradually into uh, in, in into the, the these realms do you, have you have you experienced that over the last 10 years or or do you see the resistance being much the same in terms of opening up to the possibilities of healing i think that the uh there's plenty of acceptance on it of it on an individual level um i think individuals find healing is true in their experience you know whether it's something in their family or their ancestry or somebody they knew and maybe that's simply because those are the individuals I I meet. I I think that it will. Um, I think there is also acceptance of it on an individual level uh, amongst doctors because doctors and nurses and medical professionals work with the human body, and their experience teaches them that the human body is a great deal cleverer than they are and a great deal more surprising and but i don't think it will ever be established i don't think it will ever be accepted on establishment level because i think it's something like peace or democracy or um truth it it is something that individuals uh that is anathema to establishments, as you say, and individuals must discover for themselves, with help, I hope, from healers who are openly working as healers and put their word about. I think perhaps in some time, then, um, you know, it may be acceptable within the establishment, but it won't be the establishment that we see today. And the establishment that we see today may indeed, you know, have to crumble with a lot of other things. I mean, you only have to look at plants, which I also know a great deal about because I was writing about my ancestor who was herbalist to Charles I. He wrote, he spent 50 years of his life writing a, 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 a herbal in the 17th century, which is a fantastic document of all the uh, medicines they used, 
how plant plants were used, how they used them, and what they were used for, and how they were effective, and who gave them to who, and you know how the Greeks used them, and all this kind of stuff. So I have this book. It's an amazing book. The illnesses that he's talking about, we are still trying to find a multi-million pound solution for, or a multi-million dollar solution for. So we're talking about um, arthritis, uh, eczema, um, uh, uh, what do you call them, epilepsy, uh, you know, you name it, it's still there. So... Mm. While I would not in any way suggest that it's a shame, you know, it's great that we have antibiotics for emergencies. It's great that we have um, uh, inoculations if, again, you have an emergency situation. It's great that surgeons are so much more sophisticated than they used to be. Why don't they look at, you know, the efficacy of plants that are outside your back door to cure a cold? They're there. And they work because, you know, that is anathema. That's, that, so if, 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 if plant medicine is anathema, then so is healing. Indeed. And we have a situation currently where the research field is so heavily skewed, funded by prejudice, by pharmaceutical company money, that um, if there's not profit in the uh, treatment and that certainly includes plants um, exercise healing certainly um, if it can't be patented then there's very little research going on although there is research in uh, certainly with healing with exercise with many alternative treatments that show their efficacy for example with uh, exercise there are some studies recently I saw which indicated it's twice as effective as chemotherapy as a means of, of uh, increasing people surviving five years or more with breast cancer. But uh, you very rarely would hear a doctor suggesting, well, just take a lot of exercise and, and look after yourself. You know, these strong interventions are, are the norm at this point. And I hope in the future to, uh, to, to perhaps work creating some sort of foundation that will actually fund that sort of research that has great value, if not profit, to, uh, to, to, to people with, uh, with illnesses. I have a question for yourself as, as well, Anna, just in terms of uh, the mindset and staying positive. I was very intrigued you were saying that there was a, probably an 18-month period from the breakthrough on an inner level until there was really the strong correlation, as it were, or, or consequent shift on the physical level. And it seems that patience must have been important. I also wonder, at that stage, how you balance the physical evidence, which you, you, you indicated you were still experiencing cross-vision and so on early on, and the inner knowing. What was the conflict there? Did you have to work to maintain a positive attitude? How was that experience for you? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> um, I think it's really important, actually. To, uh, I, I'm going to sort of... I'm going to ask, I'll answer your question slightly tangentially. It was really important to stay positive and persistent 
and it really is difficult. What I would say is that we all have this potential to heal ourselves, to heal other people, and to understand our, our bodies. And we we have that as individuals, and it, we have this enormous power, which for the most part we don't recognize. So in the process of healing, we need to help each other. And um, what I found was that I would be helped. It, it's a little bit like I would be helped by going to see healers or by doing a healing class or um, by having a private healing or something like that. And it, it's a little bit like um, somebody your battery's flat, somebody comes along and charges it. And you feel great for a while, off you motor, and then you go flat and then you need another charge, and then you go flat. Now, eventually, you're going to be able to motor enough that you're not going to need charging, at least not nearly so often, although it's really nice. But <laughs> in those initial stages, you need those battery chargers. And um, so that was really how I was able to keep positive and persistent and, um, you know, until it was it was true on the physical level. I believe that for some people it is spontaneous. It hasn't been true, it wasn't true for me, it had an awful lot of layers of, of rational thinking to get through, or what I considered to be rational thinking. I had to rearrange a lot of thought. And um, I was only prepared to rearrange the thought when I had physical evidence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's a little bit of um, of catch-22 there. And I think that's true for a lot of people, especially a lot of educated people uh, in our culture, because, uh, you know, that's how you've been taught. It, it sounds like there was an intuitive, uh, an inner sense, an inner guidance that was uh, part, part of your decision-making process. When I look back at my diaries, I found... Uh, something that I could even read you that I'd wrote three months after my diagnosis. So that is to say, I had at this stage done some meditation, but I had done absolutely, I had no idea about healing. And um, I won't, I actually, but basically it says, what I, what I wrote in my diary was, the solution to the problem is in the person. Find the person who's in charge of the problem. Is it you? <laughs> Put the person what? in the place where the problem can be solved, starting on the thin ice of truth. When the person is in the right place, the problem will go. Pop, the balloon will burst. And that's what I wrote. And I don't know where that came from. I was going to say that was in the first three months when there was still a lot of fear, but it seems there was an intelligence within you that had a deeper perspective to offer there. Clearly. <laughs> was I listening? I don't think so, but I, I wrote it down. <laughs> well, I think I shared with you when we spoke yesterday, and I was uh, attending healing seminars and courses, not really knowing why or conscious of many years before I was diagnosed with 
a brain tumour. So Absolutely. It, it... And this is what I meant when I said that my feeling is that your brain, actually, you know, your nervous system is actually the physical men- manifestation of the creative intelligence, the wider intelligence or the divine intelligence, whatever you want to call it. When I I was in Hawaii recently and I was working with a kahuna called Harry Jim and he says, he says, you don't know all of you, but all of you knows you. And I found that to be true again and again and again, that I had done things before I had any idea why I'd done them. But in retrospect, of course, they made perfect sense. So while I was working as a producer for the BBC, I studied massage part time. I don't know why. But now I work with the body and healing because all your secrets, all your experience is in your body and your body knows. Your body knows. It's very intelligent. I'll certainly second that, my experience of the uh, correlations happening on all sorts of levels and uh, emotions being experienced here. Yeah, left, left, right, and centre in the body, and 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 so on. The the experience of one's body mind, we might say, is uh, is an extraordinary insight when we have uh, been educated or miseducated that these are two separate realities. That mind and matter are two separate realities. Um, a couple of quick questions before we. Uh, Look to wrap up, Anna. I'm, I'm intrigued. You've spoken of working on the emotional level. Uh, you've spoken of working on the, the mental level, reorganizing thoughts, and on the, the metaphysical, or, the, or perhaps we might say the spiritual level. I wonder what sort of uh, physical work were you doing? What, what was diet, um, anything of this nature? Was, was that part of your process, or not so much? No, not at all. I didn't change my diet. I've always been. Um, I've always been quite a physical person, you know, I've always done a bit of yoga, a bit of running. I, 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 I didn't change any of that. I was this, that was how it was before I was ill, that was how it was while I was ill, and that's how it is now. You know, I do, I do physical things because I like them and they make me feel better. But I, um, I didn't change anything. And... Uh, so I would absolutely endorse what, what Martin says. It's all in the mind. I mean, you know, if you want to live on chocolate donuts and that makes you feel good, that is not in itself going to make you ill. Um, I wouldn't live on chocolate donuts because they make me feel terrible. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really, it, it's, it's in the mind. It starts in the consciousness. And um, that's how how it is. And and the process of discovering your consciousness through your body when your body is sick is like uh, an endless journey. You just Mm. go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's very profound. I'm still traveling. Well, what a wonderful way to finish our interview, our conversation today, Anna. I think that... uh, I wish you well on your endless journey and uh, to all uh, listeners on their endless journeys. And thank you so much for sharing your wonderful journey thus far and your success and uh, to your ongoing future health. Thank you, Will. I'm looking forward to it and uh, I wish the same to you. Thank you, Anna.
All right.